0: You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington, and we have services meeting each week at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. You can also join us online live at our 11 a.m. service each Sunday. If you'd like to know more about Axe Church Northwest, you can go to axechurchnw.org. Now enjoy the sermon.
1: All right, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be able to breathe again. I took up cigarette smoking to have something healthier in my lungs than what we had going on for this last couple of weeks. I didn't really. People were like, really? You started? No, I didn't. Um, It's really good to see you guys. Sorry we couldn't be together last week, but uh, we wanted to make sure that people weren't going to be in in a bad health situation. And So it's good to be back with us this week. It's been a strange year. You've probably heard that. Um, But you know what? Here we are praising Jesus, and we're not going to stop. You know, so that's, that's great. Let's pray before we get started. Father, I just pray you give us strength to really seek after you this morning, God. Let us really seek after you. Let your Holy Spirit just start to work on our hearts. Lord, that body, soul, spirit, we might serve you in, in spirit and in truth, that we might worship you through the study of your word. God, that those who you've called here today are here for a reason. It's not by accident that they've shown up, but that you have a divine appointment with them today, that you want to speak their heart. Lord, let us have intimate, loving connection and relationship with you this morning as we seek to know you, Lord. Those who don't know you, Lord, I pray you draw them to yourself today. Those that do know you, I pray you draw them closer to yourself today that as the time draws near for you to return for your church, that many may come into your kingdom through the preaching of the word, your word, which is truth. We love you, Lord. Protect us spiritually, protect us physically, protect us from distraction, and just help us to study your word this morning, in your name, amen. Amen. There are two ways we've studied this, actually, over and over, many times lately. It was a clear teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, which we studied recently. It was a clear teaching of Psalm 1, which we studied even more recently. And it's a clear teaching in Psalm 2, which we've been studying very recently. Two ways. The way that leads to destruction and the way of the Lord and his kingdom, which leads to life. That's it. There aren't any more. People talk about all roads lead to heaven. There aren't all roads. There are two roads, Jesus and everything else. That's it. God makes that very, very clear. I've noticed that the world is simple to predict. Lost people, strangely, act like lost people. They are uncomplicated. They have, as the Lord has shown us in his word in Romans 1, they've suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. And because they've done so and they've done so, so often and for so long, the Lord has given them over to the point where they just don't know anymore what is good and what is bad other than some shadow somewhere that they occasionally understand. Other than that, they just, they're lost. The world is lost. They not only do the things that they know lead to death, but they also approve of others who do them and even celebrate others who do them. And they're becoming more brazen about it. They're not as concerned about just being real honest about where they are. As the time of the end draws near. We have now, according to research by a group called PPRI, we have a nation where 24% of the people are what they call religiously unaffiliated, meaning they have no affiliation to any religious thing. Maybe they believe in God, maybe they don't, but they aren't affiliated with any religion. And of course, our region here in the Northwest, higher, if you can believe that. And there are many who are religiously affiliated. Who do not walk in a way that honors God. The world is lost. And there are many walking around in your life who are lost. This is the expectation that we have of the world. And the second Psalm is really clear about this. If we read in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, which we studied some weeks back, it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? a useless, worthless thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The world is headed toward destruction and death. They do not want God to be God. They do not want God to be king. They do not want to be chained, as they see it, to morality or to God's law. They want to do things the way they want to do things. They want to do whatever they want. They want to be the makers of men and women in their image. They want to tell you how you should live. But it's not the way that God has called you to live. They want to be their own gods. So they try to dominate the cultural discussion with their rebellion and their false moralities. They even take good things, truths, And they turn them into idols and almost religions until they've blown them up into something that can't be recognized and perverted it beyond anything that could have been about that original truth. They take the equality and rights of women which is a good and godly and biblical thing. A true and beautiful thing that all men and all women are equal before God and made in his image and likeness. What a beautiful truth. And then they Turn it into something ugly. They pervert the truth until having equal rights as women means not just having equal rights as women, but having the right to kill much smaller women as long as they're in your womb. All kinds of things can grow out of a truth when we take it, blow it up, and pervert it into something that it is not. They take good things and they make them idols until they become bad things. They take the truth that we ought to love each other, that we ought to be able to share our ideas without the fear of violence by those who disagree with us, and they blow it up and make it into an idol to where a word that used to mean I'm not gonna punch you if I disagree with you to mean I have to agree with you about everything that you say. You No longer can disagree at all. Loving others means agreeing that everyone's opinion is equally valid Let me share something with you. It's not true. Some of your opinions are terrible. I've seen your Facebook feeds. Okay? Not every opinion is equally valid. It certainly isn't equally true. You can have your opinion, and you have a right to your opinion, but that doesn't make your opinion right. But that's what happens when you take a a value, a truth, like tolerance, and you blow it up until it no longer resembles anything true at all. They pull away pieces of morality, but they don't recognize the source of morality. God, the creator of heaven and earth, who is all-powerful and is over all that is, he is the source, the root of morality. All of it grows out of his character. You cannot separate it from him and still have it be morality. You can't pull away pieces and make them into their own religions. If it is good, and it is, that we ought to steward and protect and take care of the earth. Well, what many people would call environmentalism. If it is good, and it is, we should take care of those things that God has made. Then it is also good that we should be sexually pure. Those two branches are part of the same tree. If you cut one off, you cut the branch off that you're sitting on. They only have their truth when they're rooted into God. And if one is true, then all of the others are true too. That's the fact. If it's good that we should protect the lives and the dignity of women, as clearly we should, it is also true that we should protect the lives and the dignity of very young women in the womb. If it's true that we should fight against bullying and love our neighbors, which it is, it is also true that we should love and fight for the mental and spiritual health of those who struggle with things like gender dysphoria instead of encouraging them in their misunderstanding and celebrating and participating in their brokenness so that they become more broken. But the world doesn't understand, and so lost people act like lost people. We could find many examples of this over and over and over again. The point is that the good and just law of the Lord is not able to be broken up into parts and then inflated until it has become a perversion. The same God who made the universe and the world is the same God that made you in his image and likeness. He's the God of both gender equality, racial equality, and sexual purity, and that you ought not to lie, and that you ought to be a good parent, and on and on and on. All of these things are one. You cannot say you should do this one without saying you should do this one also. But that's the brokenness of the world. They want to break the bonds. They want to make their own morality. You cannot have one truth without all the truth that support it because they're all rooted in the same place. God. And you certainly can't have no God and any truth. If there is no God, you're in trouble. Because all you are is a bunch of atoms. You're just a sack of meat with a brain that has little atoms bouncing around. You don't even you don't even think what you think because it's true. You just think what you think because that's the way your brain is atoms are bouncing around. So you're pretty much in big trouble. God is God, and that is why there is truth. He's the God who condemns both lying and condemns loving wealth. He's the God who tells us to be good steward and the God who tells us to be faithful parents. We cannot have one without the other. The chains of morality, they're not chains at all. They're a hug. They're a loving, strong hand holding us, guiding us because God made us and knows who we are and knows who we're supposed to be and knows how to make us fully who we are in him and loves every one of you and knit you together in your mother's womb that you might walk in the ways that he has made for you, that you might fully experience the joy, the hope, the peace of life. To walk outside of that is death. But the world doesn't see that. Doesn't see God's law as a blessing, but a burden. And we'll see what the Lord says to those who continue to mock his law, his power, and his judgment today. I'm, I'm starting this off a little slower than I usually start preaching because this is a severe passage. And for those of us who ought to, care for those who are in the world. Those of us here, those of us online this morning, that have friends and family and coworkers and people in our communities and people in our neighborhoods and people all over the world, we ought to care that they're lost. We ought to care for what God says is going to happen to them if they don't come to Jesus. It's a stern warning that we'll be reading today. But there's another group too. There are those that call Jesus Lord but do not do what he says. Matthew 24, 44 through 51. It says, therefore you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant who his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The lost person who does not make Jesus Lord of their life is on the path to destruction, but the wicked servant will also experience the judgment of God. The Lord will judge. So in this psalm we'll study, it speaks to the lost person, the enemy of God, who sees God's love and his law as enemies because he or she suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. But there is something to be learned also for those of us who do serve him, who do call him Lord, when we start to get sideways, maybe slapping around the other servants a little bit, Maybe getting a little hammered with the drunkards. So as we go through this, we should be thinking about both places and what the Holy Spirit is convicting us of in our own hearts. In my life, I have both suppressed the truth and unrighteousness and known the truth and treated God's grace cheaply. I've done all of that. Praise God. Because if it was not for his incredible and awesome grace, the awesome grace of God, I would be the subject of judgment and wrath. That's where I would be. There's a reason why I sit up front why I'm sweating from praising Jesus this morning. Because I was lost, and now I'm found. Because but for him loving me while I was yet a sinner, dying for me, rising again, I would have no hope. I would be under his wrath and under his judgment. But because of his death and resurrection, I am free. You can be too. Let's get on to our study of the word today. We've studied the first five verses of Psalm 2 so far. And both of those messages are available on the website or YouTube or wherever you find podcasts if you want to catch up with where we are. Um, don't do it now because we're going to keep going. So. Uh, but we already read today the first three verses a little earlier. I'm going to read you verses 4 and 5, which were from last time so that we can kind of see the progression here. Uh, this is gonna be God's response to those who who think they can throw off the chains and the fetters. This is how God reacts to people, rulers and kings and nations, peoples who think that they can get rid of his law. This is what it says, Psalm 2, 4 through 5. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Now let's study what the Lord God says to these people. We're gonna start in verse six. It says, this is the Father speaking. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now Jesus speaking. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. This is a messianic prophecy. Messianic prophecy, that means it's a prophecy about Jesus Christ. This was written a long, long time before Jesus was born of Mary on that day, 2,000 years ago. Christ is a title and a name. In Greek, Christ comes from the word Christos. In Hebrew, Messiah, which you've heard. Mashiach is the Greek word. means the anointed one. We've already heard in this passage about the anointed one, against the Lord, and against his anointed, right? This psalm is talking about the coming of the Messiah, the Christ, as king and judge. That's what this is a prophecy about. And first we have the Father's words in verse 6. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. God the Father has set Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, as king on his holy hill of Zion. This is a reference to Jerusalem. This is the city of God's throne. You don't have to wonder, if if you've ever wondered, why is there so much conflict in the Middle East? Why does everybody seem to hate Jerusalem? and the Jewish people, God's chosen people, the Israelites. Why do they face so much adversity? Let me just tell you, because Zion is God's holy hill where he will set his only begotten son, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. That's why. The forces of this world, which are not the forces of flesh and blood that we look at when we see these conflicts. There's something else. As, we, as the word of God reveals to us in Ephesians chapter 6, listen to this. These powers, these principalities, they hate the fact that God will set his king on his holy hill of Zion. They hate it. They know it means destruction for them. And so you will continue to see until the king is there. Those who will be against Zion. Who will be against the Israelites. Who will be against Jerusalem. The next verse has the only begotten Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ speaking. So it was the Father. Now Jesus is speaking, saying what the Father has said to him. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Now we know this is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God, because we're told clearly in the New Testament that it is. You remember John three sixteen. You guys probably know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Great verse. His only begotten son. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. He was begotten, not created. Let me tell you why that's important. If a person begets a son, that son is of the same nature as that person. Right? We beget what we are. That's why my dad was blessed enough to be as good looking as he is because I'm his son. And my son, Ethan... For the same reason, right? My dad begot me, I begot my son. And surprise, surprise, we're all humans. We're of the same nature. We beget what we are. Men and women beget men and women. God the Father begets God the Son. Jesus is God. This is one of the places that, this is one of the places where we get the clear understanding, what we call theologically, that Jesus is 100 percent God, 100 percent God. Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. At the same time. God the Father begets God the Son. From the beginning. Okay, always. God the Father begets God the Son. Listen to this. John 1, 1-5. In the beginning was the Word. That's the Son of God. Okay? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was a light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or, or overcome it. So we have God the Father who has all authority. God the Father has all authority. In heaven, in earth, everything. God the Father is the seat of authority. setting Jesus Christ, God the Son, as King on his holy hill. This is an incredibly important thing. There is no one else who this could be said about, no Israelite king, no one else that this psalm could have been written about except for Jesus Christ. He's the only one who fits this description. As we're told in several places of the New Testament, Acts thirteen thirty-three, Hebrews 1, 1 through 5, and Hebrews 5, 5. I'm going to read them. Acts thirteen thirty-three. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I have begotten you. Hebrews 1, 1 through 5. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, incredibly important, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The son, uh, For to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Same verse. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Hebrews 5.5. 5. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. This verse shows up a lot because it's about Jesus and because it's fulfilled in Jesus. So it is Jesus Christ, the king, who God the Father is making king. Next verse, Psalm 2 ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. God the Father, again, is over all things. And Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, submits himself to the will of the Father. We saw this clearly, regularly. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read the life of Jesus, what you see is continuously, continuously, continuously. Jesus submits himself to the Father. I do the Father's will, right? I speak the things the Father tells me. He's always submitting himself to the Father as his only begotten Son, because the Father has the authority. And here, the Father is granting to him the Father's authority. He's telling the Son, in whom he is well pleased, as we also know from the Scripture, to ask for the nations and for the ends of the earth as his inheritance. Ask me. There are a couple things here. One, so we need to understand something about Jesus. Jesus is not only our friend, which he is. And our wonderful counselor, which he is. And so many other things. But here's the other thing. He is on the throne. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He has power to judge the world. And he will judge the world. You have to understand that. You have to know that. It's right here in the scripture. The other thing I want us to think about in this particular verse is that as God's children, not as his only begotten children, as his created children, who he loves, who he loved so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Who he loved so much that he was willing to be God with us, Emmanuel, and come and be a man and be treated horribly and die for us and rise again. That's how much he loves us. He also wants us to ask him for our inheritance. He loves to have us ask him And come to him. He wants us, us to ask him for the things he desires to give us. Things like, I don't know, eternal life. Which is kind of high on the list for me. We're to ask him help in time of need. Worthwhile kingdom work. Healing. Mentally, physically, Spiritually intimacy of love and relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. I want my children to ask me for things. I really, really do. I want to give them things. And I want them to ask me. I want them to ask me to spend loving, special, intimate time with them. Because I desire to give that to them. I want them to ask me for help when they need it. I want them to ask me for gifts that will help them become more the people that God created them to be, that will help prepare them to meet Jesus Christ. I want them to ask me that I might give it to them. I want them to grow, to become fully themselves, better men and women. And I want them to ask. And our Father wants us to ask him, as he has his only begotten son, ask for his inheritance. Now, as my children grow and mature, their requests grow and mature. When they were very little, they mostly just asked for ice cream or to stay up later or for a Nintendo or whatever. Right? Those were the requests. They were relatively, they're the requests of young children. As they grow older, they've been asking for more mature things. This is like us. As we grow in Christ, we go from asking for less mature to asking for more mature. As we grow in him, we know his will more Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7-12. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? Who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will, give, will he give him a serpent? If you then be an evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Ask. He's gonna give it. As the only begotten Son of the Father asks for the nations and the ends of the earth as his inheritance, you, we, may ask God for our godly desires, godly desires, And he hears us and gives generously to us because our godly desires are the only things that we ought to get. You shouldn't want desires that aren't godly desires. We don't ask for wealth and power and lusts, but for the things of a kingdom life. That's what we ask for, spiritual and physical protection, forgiveness of sin. He tells us in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We get to ask him and he will forgive us without us having had to pay the price. We can ask for so much, for a strong church, for a powerful witness, for miracles, for his power to be shown to those who he's drawing to himself, for the salvation of the world, of our friends, of our families, of those in our neighborhoods, of those at our work. We can ask for patience and self-control. Those aren't always as popular. And contentment and joy even in the face of trials. We can ask for these things, and he will give them. Ask for passion. Passion for your love for Jesus Christ. He is a good father. He is a good father who gives us what we ask for when we ask according to his will. And we should desire to know him more and more, that we might know his will more and more, that we might know more and more what to ask for, that he might give us all of those things. Because when you know his will, his will is for your good. When you ask for those things, you get them and it's good. Not your will, but his. As Jesus said, not thy will. Not my will, but thy will be done. We want to love him. We want to know him. We want to know his will. Psalm 2.9. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. This is going to be the end of those who we studied about in the beginning of this chapter of Psalms, the beginning of this passage. Those who in verse 2-3 said, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. The king is coming to judge the world. We know from prophecy, from revelation, other prophecies in the Bible, that Jesus will come after the tribulation and reign for a thousand years. And he will rule them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like Pottery. All that before the end comes and all things are made new. Those who set themselves against God, those who refuse to live by his good law, will be broken and dashed and scattered. That's the judgment. This is a warning to all of humanity. It's a warning. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows. That he will also reap. We cannot set ourselves up against God. And come out okay on the other side. If you were wondering, we cannot set ourselves up against God and go with our own will and our own way and break the chains of His law and His morality and what He's revealed to us in His word and expect to come out on the other side okay. We're told directly right here that's not happening. As C.S. Lewis says of Aslan in the Chronicles of Narnia, He is not a tame lion. Lions have teeth. We need to let the world know the penalty for rebellion against our good God. I want that to sink in for a second because that's who we are. We are His church. We have been chosen and set apart by God as His church, the body of Christ, to let the world know in the power of the Holy Spirit that God is coming, that Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world. That is our job. You might not think it's fun. I don't care. It's what he said. It's truth. When you keep it from people, you're not loving them, you're hating them. Jesus Christ is coming to judge the world. All of those who have set themselves against God, who do not call Jesus Lord, are going to be dashed to pieces like a potter's vessel, like a clay pot thrown on the ground. That's it. Death is coming to those who will not submit to Jesus Christ. Some of you may remember in the book of Acts. We studied that for a few weeks a while back. Three years or so. The apostle Paul was talking with Felix and Drusilla. Felix was a, uh, he is a, a leader, kind of a ruler of an area, and Paul had been arrested, and, and he was uh, hanging out basically in jail waiting for a trial and so on. Acts 24, 24 through 25. And after some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, what does Paul say concerning the faith in Christ? Now, as he reasoned, that's what Paul did. That's what I do. That's what you ought to do. As he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, what was Felix's reaction? Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. When Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and told Paul to go away until a convenient time. Let me tell you something. There is no convenient time. I've been waiting for a convenient time to lose weight for a long time. Okay? You can see it has not been convenient yet. It's not going to be convenient. There is no convenient time. You've probably had plenty of people in your life, if you're a Christ follower, who wants to bring the gospel to people, who you've started to talk to about Jesus, and the message you get, whether directly or through the way they're acting, is this is not a convenient time. Come back to me later. We'll talk about that later. I don't really want to talk about this. You think? There is no convenient time. There is no convenient time for the truth All time is time for the truth. Now is the time for the truth. Right here in this world, if you can't see it, it's all being shown now. All the cracks have formed as we've gone through all kinds of stuff. As the Lord is shaking the world, as the end comes, you can see that there is not gonna be a convenient time. The time is now to speak boldly in the name of Jesus Christ the truth. There is no convenient time. There are those in the world, in this room, online right now, who need to hear about judgment and about the beauty of the gospel of the Savior, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection. The gospel message that saved me and so many of you. They need to hear it. They're not going to buy into the gospel of Jesus if it's all froofy, but there's no disease that they need a remedy for. There is a disease. Their sin is a disease. Judgment is coming. That's why they need the gospel. Jesus isn't just another nice guy who happened to die 2,000 years ago, and maybe some people say he rose again. No. He's the king of kings who gave his life for you and undoubtedly rose again and is alive. That's who he is. That's what you need to say, boldly. Both judgment and the cure. The gospel that you can be forgiven and free if you will call Jesus Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. There is no convenient time. You don't know that you're gonna make it through the next day. It's nonsense to know that you're going to even make it another minute. You do not know when you will be called, when the end is coming for you. Or for anyone you know. There is no convenient time. Speak boldly now. Verses 10 through 12. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. This is to the leaders and the representatives of the people. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled, but a little. Blessed are all those who put their trust in him. This is a severe warning to the world. This is not some legend, okay? We are not at a PTA meeting right now. We don't come together to sing a couple kumbayas, read a little bit out of the Bible, and go home and feel about ourselves because culturally that's what we do. This is... True fact, reality. I am living my life by it. I live and I die for Jesus Christ. That's the truth. This is a severe and serious warning. Take it seriously. This is the warning serve the Lord or die. That's it. Be nice if I could say something different, I guess, but it wouldn't be true. And I love you too much to lie to you about this. Serve the Lord or die. I know we don't like to put stuff like that on a coffee mug. (laughs) Go to the Christian bookstore, it's like, serve the Lord or die. Oh, that's a nice mug. I know, it's not the kind of thing that we talk about politely, but it's the truth. We should maybe put it on a coffee mug. I know there was a time, we talk about this time when everybody was, you know, these preachers were fire and brimstone, and it was all about you're going to go to hell, and there wasn't enough of the love of Jesus and whatever, and maybe that's true, and I'm not a big fan of all that kind of style from back then, but but it was true. It's true. Serve the Lord or die is absolutely true. Two paths is absolutely true. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my household, we serve the Lord. It's true. Those who choose another way are going to experience the judgment of God, not just in death, not just in the first death, but in the second death. Eternal life away from God because his holiness cannot abide any darkness and our sin is darkness and the only way to cover that sin and to be washed and clean and light is by having Jesus step in for you which he did at the cross and which you can have you can have that forgiveness you can have God instead of seeing you look right at Jesus and say you're clean you've been made clean you've been washed clean what amazing news! Because the bad news is serve God or die. Make Jesus Lord or make yourself Lord. His will be done or your will be done. And I can tell you, your will is not going to go well. You're going to be dashed to pieces like potter. You're going to be ruled with a rod of iron and you're going to spend eternity in hell. I know, I know, it's not a great coffee mug sermon, but it's true. It's true. For the wages of sin is death, says Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. And we've all earned our wages. Every one of you, if you came in here today and thought to yourself, maybe you you haven't earned the wages of death. If you've sinned, you have. And trust me, you've sinned. I may not know you, but I know. You know how I know? Because we all have. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But! The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the good news. Thank God for the second half of that verse, because the first half is undoubtedly true. And we would be lost, but for the second half of that verse, that the gift of God, the free gift of salvation, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It means he's in charge. It means we don't break the chains. It means we don't pick and choose our morality. I really care about this cause, but over here I'm just going to be shady. I really care about this cause, but over here I'm just going to be shady. And then we make groups. There's those guys over there that care about this. There's these guys over here, and everybody comes other. Those people, these people. No, I love every one of you, and you should love everyone in the world enough to speak the truth to them about this. The psalm ends, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. You want to be blessed? You want blessing? Put your trust in him. On that day, of wrath, you want to experience instead of brokenness, blessing, put your trust in him. Because there will be those who are broken and there will be those who are blessed. Two paths. Two roads, diversion of wood, and I took the one less traveled, right? Put your trust in Jesus Christ today. Do not wait another day. Do not wait for a convenient time. There is no convenient time. You walk out of here because you're sitting here in your mind going, oh, I don't know about this. I heard Christians are really dumb. I don't know if any of this is true. I don't want to get into this. Uh, and then you convince yourself and you walk out of here. You've been warned. Put your trust in Jesus today. Today. Don't wait. Don't wait for convenience. There is no convenience. There's no convenience in surrendering to Jesus as Lord. There's just surrender. Surrender. For those of us in Christ, if we've become wicked servants, beating our fellow servants and kicking it with the drunkards, and I know that's probably not exactly what you're doing. Beating people is looked down on, so you probably aren't doing that, but it could be anything. You're lying a little bit. Maybe you are a certain way when I see you in here on a Sunday and we're smiling and we're shaking hands and saying, praise the Lord. Then on Monday you go to work, you're a little bit different. Here, hey, you're a Christian. And there, if we had a trial and tried to bring evidence from those folks about your Christianity, maybe we couldn't convict you. I don't know. We need to be good servants. Working. You know where I'm going to be when Jesus returns? Working. You know where this church is going to be when Jesus returns? Working. Not going, oh, he's taking a long time. Be glad he's taking a long time. Had he come earlier in my life, I would have been broken. He had the patience for me, and he's having patience right now for those that he's calling, and we want to be a part of that. And if you want to be a part of that, don't be a wicked servant. Don't go, you know what, it's probably going to be okay. It's probably. To, I'll get my life right at a convenient time. Today. Today. We have work to do, people. This is not some cruise ship. I told you it's not a PTA meeting. This is a battleship. This is a place where we come to worship the God of the universe in power, in the power of his Holy Spirit. We have such a short time. Stop grieving the God who loves us, whether it's because you refuse to come to him in the first place or because you're in him but not living the life of a servant of Christ, of his disciple that you ought to. Let's not grieve him anymore. Let's serve him. Let's honor him. Let's love him. Let's see people come to know him. We have a short time. Short time to work the kingdom life before eternal life is in front of us. You're 100 years old. Some of you look like you might be. It's okay. It's okay. That's nothing. That's not one second of one day of eternity. It's nothing. It's a breath. And it's gone. Do not waste it waiting for convenient times. Do not allow those in your life to tell you to wait for a convenient time. No, I want to talk now. Because you are deceived about what's coming. You think utopia is coming. You think we're going to elect the right person. Eventually. (laughs) It's going to work out. we got a plan. How is that working out for you? Judgment is coming. Serve God or die. And the good news is, you can be in Jesus Christ today. And all of that won't matter to you anymore. Because you're no longer a child of judgment and wrath, but a child of God. You can be that. You can walk in that. People need to know that today. This should hit every one of us. I don't know how many of us let those opportunities slip by that God has put in front of us. Maybe we feel a little nudge. Hey, you should, you should talk to him. You should talk to her. You know, you should really text so-and-so. And we're like, yeah, God, that is a good idea. I should do that. Let me just check my Facebook feed first. Let me just do this. Let me just do that. Let me, just, let me wait for a little bit more convenient time. No good. You don't know there's convenient time coming. It's now. It's now, and it may be now or never, because the end is coming quickly. We're gonna do a class hopefully soon for those of you who are interested about biblical prophecy, the book of Revelation, some things like that. And as you study that, you'll understand just how quickly he's coming. Do not wait. If you are not in Christ today, be in him today. Call him Lord. Believe that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Turn today. Repent today. Because if you're not in the kingdom of light, you're in the kingdom of darkness. If you're not on the path for life, you're on the path for death. If you're not serving Jesus, you're gonna die. And the first death will be bad, but the second death will be worse. See, I'm already in Christ. I'm already seated in the heavenly places. I'm already living that life. Other than this body that betrays me sometimes, the rest of me I'm in Christ. When I meet him face to face, it's just going to be the next obvious step in the life I'm already living in joy and in hope. And and things have come against me, okay? I have not had a perfect life, although I've been blessed beyond imagination. A lot of things have come against, and God has given me joy and hope through all of it. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for your friends. That's what I want for your families. That's what I want for this region. That's what I want for the United States. That's what I want for the world. That's what I want for our brothers and sisters in Honduras. I want you to have Jesus, not judgment. And we got to get serious about it. No more. No more. Let's bring them in. Let's tell them it's all fairy tales and gumdrops. And hope that they decide to stick with Jesus when times get tough. How about... You know what? If you don't stick with Jesus, if you won't serve him, then you're against him. And those who are against him are going to be ruled with a rod of iron and dashed to pieces like pottery and eventually spend eternity away from him in hell. So let's love him. And let's fear him. We can fear him as children of father in awe and reverence. Or you can fear him as the one who will dash you to pieces like pottery. Your choice. Your choice. If we repent and believe and call him Lord and believe God rose and raised him from the dead, then like Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, you will also rise from the dead into everlasting life in him. If you don't, you'll rise from the dead into everlasting death. There's an old hymn. I don't believe I've ever heard it sung, but here are some of the words to it. Uh, it is named, And Will the Judge Descend? Which sounds like an old hymn, right? I'm not even going to try to guess what the tune is. But this is what it says. Ye sinners, it's all of us, seek his grace, whose wrath ye cannot bear. Fly to the shelter of his cross and find salvation there. So shall that curse remove by which the Savior bled, and the last awful day shall pour his blessings on your head. There will be a last awful day. And there'll be people on two paths. The path where blessings are poured on your head and the path where they're not. We don't want to experience God's wrath. We've been warned about it. We need to believe the warnings. We want to experience his joy. I want you, we want you to experience his joy. We want to be in his blessing. I want you to have joy now and for eternity. And the only way that's going to happen no matter what what tricks your mind wants to play or what justifications you want to come up with, the only way that's going to happen, two roads, there's one way it's going to happen, that's turning to the king, Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son. That's it. The other path is everything else and they all lead to death. So turn to the savior, the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Be warned and be wise. Let's pray. Father, I love you. You are great. Hallowed be your name. Lord, we do pray that your kingdom comes and that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, you've taken care of us. Let us honor you by telling the truth to the world. Lord, give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be your church in power, that we might go out and speak truth in boldness. Not afraid to talk about the truth of judgment that's coming. Not trying to sugarcoat you, Jesus, and shine you up so that people will go, oh, I really like that. That sounds like fun because they're not doing that. That message is being rejected as more and more and more people are becoming the nuns, Lord. Those who are unaffiliated, those who are walking away, those who are breaking the chains in their mind. And you laugh at them because it's nonsense. And yet your heart breaks for them make our heart break for them that we might want to see them come in, that you might shake your church with power, that we might speak boldly in your name. Because the time is short, God. And there's nothing of all the things that we're thinking about that we want to do in life, none of those compare to the glory we have in you and to wanting to see other people have that and be in your body, your church. Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, be with us. Don't let us fail. Don't let our enemies triumph over us. We know we've already conquered. We are more than conquerors. So let us go forward in power. Let us put on the full armor of God and let us march as a shield wall against the gates of hell which cannot stand against us and see those who are lost come to be found. God, that's all we ask. Let our priorities be reset every morning that first we seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness and everything else shall be added. First, your kingdom and your righteousness for ourselves, for our families, for our friends, for our neighborhood, for our work, for the region, for the country, for the world. Then let everything else be added. Lord, let us keep it the right way as the time is short, that when you come, you might find us working faithfully. We love you, Jesus. Heal us, save us. Help us seek you in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening. We hope the Lord blessed you through it. We'd like to invite you to join us on one of our Sunday morning services at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Whether you would just like to find out some more info about Acts Church or if you'd like to plug in and take some next steps in your faith, axechurchnw.org is a great place to start. You can also email us at info at axchurchnw.org. There's always more content coming, whether it's on YouTube or on our podcast channel. So be sure to subscribe to both of those to always get the newest content from Axe Church. Until next time, we hope you have a blessed week.